Ambition. Strong desire to do or achieve something. Desire and determination to achieve success. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Dribble podcast. Our Stoke and Vale, a new corner at the Bet365, have Mark Hughes' men turned one. A new improved stadium claims its first scalp of the season as Arsene Wenger's men fall to the sweetest Hesse release since his 2015 single, Yo Sabia. <laughs> With the Potters in the unusual position of having points on the board in August, we ask if this could be the start of something really exciting for Stoke this season. We'll also talk about how Arsenal were robbed by officials' insistence on making correct decisions and about our ambitions for the season ahead. Joining me is Chris Brammer. Uh, hello there, Dave. How are you? I'm excellent. Uh, we had hoped to have uh, Zach on today, but there was a uh, confusion involving Greenwich Mean Time and British Summer Time. Uh, <laughs> but there you go. Can't be helped. Um, before we start our discussion, we'll have some three-word reviews from Stoke City 1, Arsenal 0. Lee Hawthorne straight away says, we needed that. Mm-hmm. Tom Thrower, football's fucking ace. Cade Key says, suck it, Arsenal. Harry says, Premier League champions. Josh says, Jesse, our saviour. Jake says, Jack fucking Butland. Uh, Jack, another Jack, says, Jesse Rodriguez, God. Chris Devine says, gutsy, committed, restorative. Other ones include Hesse, Zuma, Butland. I love Hesse. Showed real steel. Wasn't expecting that. Winning the league. Loans too short. Stoke of old. My confidence restored. Only one Butland. Marco Hunautovic. Absolutely fucking brilliant. Stoke City back. Get in Stoke. Stronger together Stoke. Love annoying Wenger. Up yours Wenger. Never doubted us. Oh my goodness. (laughs) We're staying up. This season's champions. Faith being restored. Fletcher is boss. I love Stoke. And that was just some of them. Chris. Chris. How good was that? How good was that? God, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Real long time coming. Um... Oh, absolutely superb. Um, to, to think that we didn't have a feeling like that all last season is um, <laughs> gutting, but actually it made yesterday all the more worthwhile because everyone, everyone had written us off with that ge- in that game yesterday. Um, the, the BT Sport coverage was uh, Stephen Gerrard and Martin Keown saying that Oh, Stoke are here for the taking. You know, they, they've lost their edge. They've sold Johnny Walters, Phil Bardsley. Those players that will get you out of a scrap against Arsenal. Oh, they've they've lost their way, Stoke. Oh, they, they're going to they're gonna be in for a, hound, a pounding again. Oh, and it was absolutely superb. And you know what, as well? I enjoyed the game. Like, it, as much as it the, the last, <laughs> I don't know, last... 40 minutes was a very, very gutsy defensive performance. It was an enjoyable game. It wasn't a a boring, uh, everyone sits back and nothing happens. It was, yeah, it was was good. And it's it's very cathartic to then go on and uh, watch all these, those various Arsenal blogs that you have, like (laughs) Arsenal Fan TV. And then there was another who who I watched today, who'd predicted, oh, we're going to trounce Stoke 3-1, going to hammer them. And then they've come on with their review blog and it's all angry faced emojis. And, oh, we, we, everyone knows that that was onside. (laughs) What was it though, was it? (laughs) We'll, We'll get to that later. What I loved about it was it was like, uh, it was a real throwback to our first season in terms of the atmosphere. It was a proper muck and bullets Premier League game. It was a proper scrap at times. Mm. Arsenal had 77.3% possession against us yesterday, which is their highest since 2004, and we had our lowest ever, ever Premier League possession. Wow. <laughs> and we won. And, and we won. And we won with a moment of brilliant skill as well. We won with a really lovely goal. It was a combination of... That Tony Pulis graph, that bodies on the line stuff, and it was a combina- and it was that with Mark Hughes, fancy Dan Foreign winger comes on yeah. and scores for us, you know. So it was just, it was so good, and we just, I was just absolutely buzzing with it because, you know, Arsenal just scored four against Leicester, and you know we've all had concerns about the defence this season, but yeah, they they'll have had the better chances, and yeah, the offside goal and all the rest of it, but weren't really you know there, there weren't too many like obvious ones they should have scored yeah. you know we defended superbly mm-hmm. um 
I thought it was Eric Peters' best game in ages. I thought he actually looked convincing in that left wing back role. He he was good going forward and just fantastic at the back. I mean, we'll we'll come on to other players who we thought played well in a minute, but just to not only have three points on the board at this stage, which is unusual for us. We August is usually something of a dead month for us, particularly under Hughes, and then to to have three points on the board after that Everton disappointment, and to have them against Arsenal, who mm-hmm. thought they'd broken that stadium hoodoo. They thought, they thought, <laughs> oh, we can go to Stoke with confidence now, and then we're just like, no, never again. We're not having it. So just absolutely superb, front to back, fantastic display. Um, and now, as you mentioned, it was a game from our point of view that was largely won thanks to a superb defensive performance. Are we now fully convinced by 3-4-3? I I think that I, we said last week that no matter what we should stay with the system for the foreseeable future because we've last season we had the habit of if something didn't work we'd throw it out and try something completely radically different and I I'd, I'd think that we we do need to play with this system in order to to get it more ingrained in our brain. I think as well it it shows another week on the training pitch playing that system, new players coming in, Kurt Zuma in there more. I think it's proving that they're getting more and more used to the system. And, and, and yeah, I think last night we looked much more solid at the back. I think we've, I, I think we've said before, a lot of frustration came uh, last season because some of our goals that we were conceding were just stupid, stupid mistakes. And I can't think of a single time there was a mistake yesterday that you know nearly cost us the game i can't think of any player really um getting in a in a dodgy position giving the ball away really really badly at least not in that in the back three um yeah absolutely fantastic it raises a question over do we drop jeff cameron straight away and bring mm. bruno in because I, as much as i would like to I understand from a man management part, point of view, Jeff Cameron's not really doing anything too bad. And so you, do you drop him straight away? I don't know. But you would think that it would be Bruno, Shawcross and Zuma in that back three for the rest of the season. But I'm, yeah, do you know what? I'm convinced by 3-4-3. Three, three. I think it works. Um, if Eric can have more games like that, then I think he definitely has reduced the number of questions over us having to buy a replacement there. <laughs> Juf is... Oh, I, I love the guy. I love the guy. Yeah. There were some times yesterday where it was just like, it was very hairy, but <laughs> I, I I I cannot fault the man's commitment. And going forward as well, he, he he's got boundless energy, and I like that about him in that position. Sure, he can probably work on the defensive side of the game, but he's a striker who's been converted into a wing back, mm-hmm. and like like the system as a whole, he'll get used to what he needs to do in that role. The more he plays, he's he's definitely the first choice in that position at the moment for me. Yeah, it kind of makes me laugh. Like you said, Keown and Gerrard's talked about old oh, Johnny Walters, Glenn Wheel, and Phil Barsley leaving as like, oh, those are the kind of plays you need in a in a kind of dogged situation. Man, Juf excels in that situation for me. I know there was like the couple of penalty shouts and whatever, but I think if you want graft and determination yeah. and never giving up on anything, we've got that with Mamjouf. He seems got, to be we... overlooked in that converse, converse, conversation for me. And there's also guys like Eric Peters. Kurt Zuma, I think, is going to be an absolute fan's favourite. He's going to be so hard to to uh, give up on if he, if he uh, doesn't <laughs> sign permanently after this loan. Um on, on that then, were there any kind of standout players? Kurt Zuma mm. won the Man of the Match award at the ground, but you could have given it to any of the back yeah. four, couldn't you? Uh, definitely, definitely. I think um, Zuma was absolutely fantastic. If I had to pick one centre-back, it would probably be him because he made some absolute crucial interceptions and his, his tackling was just very, very precise. I thought he did a, he, he did a great job. Um Jack Butland as well. Oh my God, how good is it to have him back at his best? Because there were occasions where if it had been a lesser keeper, I'm sure we would have drawn or lost the match. But Jack Butland was absolutely fantastic. Um, And Darren Fletcher as well. Like, 
um, I am very, very happy to be surprised by Darren Fletcher. Um, he is looking more and more like a very inspired signing. He, I know we, it's overrated the words passion and leadership and things like that, but it's quite evident that he is on the pitch. He is organising everyone around him, and he is. I mean, you you say there like, oh, Mamjuf has got boundless energy, and he, you know, he's grit and determination. Darren Fletcher yesterday showed that in a, in abundance, mm. um, and same goes for um, Chupa promoting in terms of that he was constantly pushing against the Arsenal uh, defense. But yeah, I think there's there's a definite shout for Jack Butland, man of the match, Kurt Zuma as well, Darren Fletcher. He he was the one who really impressed me yesterday because some great runs. He looks strong on the ball. He's positioning as well. He's just the the only the only thing I thought that let Darren Fletcher's game down was that sometimes Joe Allen didn't w- was out of position, and so it was kind of Darren Fletcher was having to do everything on his own. Um, but yeah, I um, I mean that yeah. would be me picking tiny 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 faults. Fletcher was ju- superb. I think I agree with you. He he's going to be an absolute fan's favorite. He's just. Everything he does seems like a clever, calculated move, but he's making these uh, decisions, you know, in quick, you know, lightning quick time. But they just always seem to be the right thing to do at that stage. And he's so calm in possession as well, which we've lacked in recent seasons. We've lacked players who can just study a situation and pick the right pass at the right time. So completely agree with you there. Now, rather predictably... Uh, the match of the day discussion didn't centre on our good performance, but rather a few <laughs> controversial incidents from the match. Arsenal fans weren't happy with their disallowed goal and there were a couple of penalty appeals. Did we get lucky? Yes, in the sense that those decisions went our way. But I I don't think it was a case that Arsenal were so much better than us and we robbed them, at least not in the terms of... Obviously, they had them better possession, better chances. They didn't finish them, and like, and we defended solidly. That was the, that was just how the game went. Um, with regards to the the offside goal, he he is offside. Um, I don't care whether you think the referee had a guess at it or not. It was the right decision in the end, and like I've seen, oh, I mean, oh, oh, only Stoke could have a correct decision. Like, oh, yeah. like verifiable correct decision awarded in our favour, and mm. still pundits be like, "Oh, I'm not sure about that one." Look, it's it's there. They've got yeah. they've got an image. They've paused it and slowed it down. And there you go, correct decision. So well, there's funny. all this because it's Arsenal and because it's us. There's this kind of commotion about it. It's like all oh, the linesmen might might have guessed at it. All oh, the linesmen shouldn't have guessed it. He got the decision right. Get off his back. You know, we we, we moan about all oh, referees and linesmen have such a tough job because they can't really because uh, they you know they get too much criticism for yeah. stuff. Well don't criticize them for making correct decisions then. It's That's just the thing. absolutely baffling to me. And and I and I and generally I think the referee had a really, really good game yesterday. I um I did too. He I, kept I, his I cards in his pocket. Yeah he I can't think of an, an occasion where offside was called incorrectly in the whole game. And with regards to the penalties, sure, like on replay from different angle, you can call it a penalty. Uh, but from where the referee was standing, it it doesn't look like it. And again, he's <laughs> given the benefit of the doubt. And look, I'm, I'm sure there, of course, Arsenal fans will be disgruntled and feel like they've been robbed. I, If I was an Arsenal fan, I would be more concerned at the fact that once again, you've not been able to break a team down. You've suffered on the road. And they... I tell you what, I, I don't know about you, Dave, but I got the impression Arsenal looked scared yesterday. Mm. They didn't They didn't look uh, like a confident team. Um, Mesut Ozil uh, was just uh, uh, invisible. Yeah. I was going like, to say that. that Mesut Ozil just epitomised that for me. He, he, had, he saw so much of the ball for me. But, and yet was somehow still invisible. Because when he did see the ball, he was dropping so deep, tr- just trying to get something to happen. But he wasn't... He didn't seem to have, like, the oomph or anything, the desire to, like, create something special, the desire to risk something, you know. That that was the problem with the whole team, really. They weren't taking enough, enough risks. 
and we were shutting them out superbly. And I, I was watching Spurs today play Chelsea, and I said, regardless of whether you speak, think uh, Spurs are going to win the title this season, they take risks when they play. They play like full pelt when they attack. They try and beat players, you know. They try and work in situations where, you know, they might not. it might not happen for them every time. But Arsenal seem so scared to do that. They seem so reluctant to try something d- a bit more direct or, or something like that. And I've also seen people try and defend Ozil's performance yesterday, like a few Arsenal, you know, bloggers and the like who were kind of obsessed with him. And like one of them put together a 55 second video. <laughs> Bear in mind, the, the match is an hour and a half long and he was on the pitch the whole time. Some lads put together a 55 second video of like Meza Ozil making five yard passes within the vicinity of the 18 yard box. It's just embarrassing. Just he just disappears. And I, I know that's a cliche, but I, he does. Love. And you, you don't need to analyze mounds of data. No, to to see that or I not mean, see it, it in the case of Urzel. And it's one of those where, unfortunately for Arsenal fans, at the end of the day, one of the best clubs in the world saw fit to see him as surplus to requirement, and mm. they didn't. Yeah, it. You you have to. You, I was going to say you have to feel sorry for Arsenal. No, you because, don't. Yeah, but you, you don't at all. Um, it, uh, yeah. I think that we, do you know what? It wasn't that we outplayed them because we clearly didn't, but we outdefended them and they they couldn't do anything about it. Uh, they they had chances, they didn't hit him on target, or Jack Butland saved them, or we defended. Like like th- there was there was no moment where I thought, oh oh we were really lucky there to get away. We got away with it there because it was either just brilliant play on our part, or I don't know like. I yeah, thought we deserved I, it. Arsenal fans can can do one because they'll be bitter and angry at whatever the. <laughs> I I, I completely I completely agree. I think we definitely deserved it. I mean, when you consider that stat I said about the at the start about uh, we only had twenty three percent possession or lowest possession ever, we only created two fewer attempts on goal than they did, and I think the best moment of skill in the game, the best moment of attacking invention, was our goal. You know, yep. I think in terms of clear-cut good chances, I think we had probably just as many as they did. We had yep. that Chupo moting chance in the first half, which arguably should have been a lot, mm-hmm. you know, dealt with a lot better than it was. Um, I tell you what, I tell you what made well, me what made me very very happy with regards to the attack a bit before the game again. Uh, Gerard and Keown were there saying about Hesse and saying that well he's he's only just come into you know he's only been in the country a few days and they're expecting him to just jump in straight away and oh he's <laughs> going to have to hit the ground running and yeah he's got pedigree but it's gone downhill from him for a while and I'm just not I'm just not sure that he's going to be the type of player who's going to be able to lead Stoke to victory today oh I'm so glad you said that guys yeah like it it oh what a what an absolutely brilliant goal! Um, yeah, and, great and, debut, and really good thought... debut. I thought, and we didn't mention him in the potential man of the matches, but I did think that he had um he had a really solid uh, game. Um, yeah, yeah, he's got he's got clearly got invention on him. He's he's and like I said about that point about Arsenal not not willing to to drive and attack at your defenders. He he did that. You know there was he had he had an effort first off that was saved, and he had that amazing run. Later in the first half, where if Shakiri doesn't pull up injured, you know we might be able to yeah. uh, create a better goal-scoring chance than we did from that. But he's clearly got like a, a fire in his belly, it seemed to me, and he combined that with some lovely touches, some absolutely superb, like inside of the foot. See you later, Jobs. And <laughs> the goal was a superb finish as well. The lad has clearly got talent, and the he's kind of the perfect Mark Hughes signing in a way because Mark Hughes likes signing players who have the talent but perhaps haven't quite unlocked it yet so he could be really good for us you, obviously you can't get carried away on the basis of one no. performance uh, but I, I heard so many people kind of dismiss that signing because he oh he's not what you need you need another Johnny Walters in that situation you need good players in the Premier League you need skillful players oh, in the yeah. Premier League uh, yeah and you need the Johnny Walters characteristics as well but I think we've got them I think we've got them already, and mm-hmm. I think Hesse's injection of of pace, skill, directness 
was sorely perhaps lacking from the Everton game. And I think it's definitely a welcome addition. And also his sort of contrast with Chupo Moting, who's a bit more physical. He's he's kind of, he's he's got skill Chupo Moting, but he kind of expresses it in different ways. He's a bit more of an awkward customer than Hesse is, I'd argue. So their potential future is exciting. And I'm excited to see what our forwards do this season. What did we make of Mark Hughes' substitutions? Bizarrely, I thought Shakiri's injury may have been a blessing in disguise because it allowed Chupo to play on the wing, which I thought was probably better than trying to hit balls up to him, which is what we seem to be doing in the first 20 minutes. Um, and so that meant Chupo went on the wing where he defended that channel really well. But were we happy to see uh, Berahino come on at that stage? It's an interesting one because I don't necessarily think that Berahino had a very a very bad game. Obviously, he provided the lovely pass for the goal. Um, it it did kind of limit us. I think Berahino coming on. I don't know who you would bring on instead, but it certainly felt like it was then ten men behind the ball a little bit. Um, mm. Saying that, I, like I said, I don't know who you could have brought on instead. Shakiri went down, and and I do think that shifting Chupa uh, moting out wide was a very very good thing for us in the end. Um, yeah, I've still got question marks over Sido. It's yeah, I, I um, want I want the lad to do really well, but it's getting more and more like I don't know what he does. Yeah, I gave um. Just to play a ratings thing on Twitter, I gave Saido a five, which by the reactions I got was obviously a bit harsh. Now, he did give a superb assist for the goal, and I don't want to take that away from him. But I felt like when he came on, our attack lost the fluidity of Shaq, Chupo and Hesse. And I also think he was just a bit like a paper bag in the wind for me. And I don't want to sound too harsh because he might have been playing to instructions. He did... He did kind of do a lot of graft, but he wasn't really putting their defence under any kind of pressure. And there were situations where he thought, oh, if, if if you were more determined in trying to get to that ball, we could have done something there, you know. A bit more up in their faces would have would have been better for me. Like I say, the five was probably a bit harsh. He did give us an assist and, you know, he, he did have a good header as well, which uh, Czech did a decent save from. So, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I don't want to criticise the lad too much but I did think like perhaps Bojan or Ramadan would have given us a bit more of a dynamic edge but hey you know he played nearly the whole game and we won so you know what have we got to complain about Um, (laughs) so how do we see that front three shaping up then what combination would you like to see in the next game Marcus on Twitter says what is your best forward three from a choice of six Ramadan, Berahino, Chupo, Jesse Shaq and Boj by the way, I'm I'm sorry for constantly flicking between Jesse and Hesse. I know it's Hesse, but <laughs> I think I've just heard so many so many Stoke fans just call him Jesse now that I've I've kind of got this weird thing. I, I'm still not 100 percent consistent with my pronunciation of Bojan either. So um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I'll, hopefully, I'll pick one and stick with it. Is the fact they all interchange a stroke of genius on Hughes's part? Hashtag options. Um, yes. Well, I don't know if it's genius on Hughes's part, but. I'd, when we're playing this system of three four three, I do think that having a front three who can interchange and fly around or whatever, I, I do think that that's a a good thing to have. I think mine would be the three that started yesterday. I'd be maybe tempted to. I don't know if I'd be tempted to play Hesse up in that central position on his own, not with the set with the task of holding up the ball as much, but more of directly running at players um it's a very very interesting one because i do think you need shakiri i wouldn't drop hesse after yesterday and she promoting did a fantastic job so i think those three write themselves in that position um but i mean there are there are shouts for berahino to come on and boyan and i mean ramadan didn't do anything wrong when he came on yesterday um crouch I'm sure there are games where Crouch would be useful, but yesterday probably wasn't it. But no, I, I think Hesse, Shaq, Chupamoting. 
yeah, you certainly uh, don't want to mess too much with. I think I think Mark Hughes clearly saw that as his best three going into the game. Um, whether he's right or not remains to be seen. But obviously, I think it did look quite good uh, that initially. Yeah, but my one doubt was uh, Chu promoting as the kind of centre forward, if you like. I had I have my doubts about that. Whether that's a way to go. I think his his kind of presence is perhaps why he got chose chosen to play there rather than Berahino initially. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm also intrigued by perhaps Hesse as that striker role. Um, he'd be more of a false nine uh, kind of player rather than a out and out centre forward. I don't know if Hughes wants to return to that false nine system again, but I think there's potentially scope for him to do that with Hesse. Uh, it's definitely interesting. I think he might even use the cup game against Rochdale to perhaps try out uh, a different kind of combination of it or uh, different players in that system. Perhaps Bojan will play, perhaps Ramadan will play. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, on Hughes's other subs, we saw Sobby replace Hesse and Martins Indy replace Peters. Uh, good moves. And does the injury for injury to Peters uh, in that game uh, highlight our need for a proper fullback? Yes, probably. Um, I mean, there was probably shouts for us needing a proper wing back there before. Uh, Peters obviously did no disservice there and. He's definitely lessened that call for another wing back. Um, again, um, there are there are there's arguments to suggest Ramadan could do a fine job, and potentially we may see that against Rochdale. Um, <clears throat> I uh, I suppose for me, I don't know who we'd get in at this point because I think Mark Hughes sees Eric Peters as the number one in that position, and he's bought Josh Tymon in as a backup, and I don't see us buying essentially what would be a third player in that position at the moment, not without seeing someone else leave and who's going to leave in that role. Um, so yes, I think we do, we do need that, but I don't think Mark Hughes sees it as a priority. Um, Ian on Twitter says, would still like us, uh, like to see us sign a true right wing back and a DM. Den Donker would be an awesome signing in the middle. Uh, Den Donker <laughs> is the Anderlecht midfielder, I believe. Uh, well, but last I checked, he was being courted by Man United and a few other clubs. Right. But, um, what, what do you think of, of getting another central midfielder in? I, I do think we need a defensive midfielder, um, or at least a player who can defend. Um, just because, as I said earlier, I think... That, no major criticism of Joe Allen, but I thought yesterday he was one of the players who did let us down a little bit on the pitch. I thought Darren Fletcher was fantastic in all aspects, but Joe Allen's sometimes... I mean, there's a, there's a stat I think Tom Thrower showed me earlier where Joe Allen's, out of all his tackles, he achieved none of them. And it was kind... He, he just seemed a bit like a, a border collie running round, a bit too hyperactive and not really knowing what to do. I think that is a position we could look to strengthen. But we have so many midfielders. That I don't know if Gianelli, well, if Gianelli and Bula could like uh, tackle, he'd be great in that role. <laughs> but um, but I think he well he wasn't even in the match day squad. And no matter how many times he plays UFC with Kurt Zuma on Instagram, they're not going to. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I don't see him coming back in the team. So if he goes out, yes, I think we need to get a replacement in. Um, yeah, right, right wing back. Yes, because. Juice Brill, but he goes down. I don't want to see Glenn Johnson in that role. Kurt Zuma's Instagram is definitely the place to be. Um, just some brilliant stuff last night. It's just absolutely. It just made me so happy. Just like mm-hmm. he's like an instant fans' favourite already. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you, you mentioned in Bueller not in the matchday squad. There was no Adam in the matchday squad either. There was no central midfielders. No certainly <laughs> out and out central midfielders on the bench, which is surprising considering just how many of them we've got. Uh, obviously, Jeff Cameron, some people may consider midfield to be his best position. So if Martin Zindy comes in, that that perhaps takes care of that, maybe. But um, I'd, I'd perhaps suggest that Mark Hughes will be looking at another one. I know we've been linked with Delph this summer already. Um, We're linked with defenders as well, still, as, mm. which is what we what have we got. We've got Volscheid there and... 
Zoom, uh, uh, no, Martin's Indy or Jeff Cameron, whoever isn't playing. So I don't know if that is a position we do need, possibly with Mark Magnesa going out. But I think we probably do need a defender purely because, uh, like Jeff Cameron's like your utility man, but we're playing a back three, and mm-hmm. if one of them goes down, I don't want Philip Walshide playing, and I don't think Mark Hughes <laughs> wants Philip Walshide playing either. I think Walshide's on his way, mm. and with Muniesa gone out on loan as well. I think he will perhaps be looking at one more, perhaps a player who will be more willing to yeah. sit on the bench than Zuma or Martins Indy. But um, I, yeah, I've got, got to get the impression that our business definitely isn't done yet as far mm-hmm. as perhaps even any of the positions are concerned, really. I think there's an argument to still say, oh, a striker would be, would be really good. There's an argument to say midfield wing-backs central defence, you know, we can still improve in all these positions, mm. which is a kind of strange position to be in having, having just beaten <laughs> Arsenal, but there you go, that's Stoke for you, I suppose. Yeah, I think I think there's a shout as well, just quickly, I think there's a shout to say getting a defender in now would be a bit of future-proofing on our part because there is the very real possibility that Kurt Zuma will not be here next season. Um, I mean, if you you read into it this Chelsea just wanting to get fit again and playing for us is the way to do it so we need that player to replace him and if we do it if we leave it to next summer then people will realize that we desperately need a defender and that's when prices get hiked up so it would be a smart move on our part to look for maybe a younger defender who is happy that this season to be a more of a bit part player and come in to the first team next season uh, as I mentioned, this was the first game at the new and improved Bet365 Stadium. New corner, new screens, new seats. We also heard Delilah through the tannoy just before kickoff, which many are uh, crediting with getting the atmosphere going against Arsenal. Uh, do you think it's a good idea? And is it such a good idea to do it against Rochdale at home as opposed to Arsenal at home? <laughs> um, yeah, why not? Why not? My dad sent me a text with it saying that, oh, it's like L- Liverpool can have You'll Never Walk Alone, we'll have Delilah. I I think it really did get the atmosphere going. It set the mark there for the rest of the game. And you have to say that that was an atmosphere that's not been felt at the Bet365 for, for a very long time. Um, and it definitely affected the game. It, it was a, a match winner. So, yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, I, I thought fantastic atmosphere yesterday as well. Um, like some of the classic Arsenal favourites, let's all do the Wenger, came out towards the end. Um, just just proper kind of throwback to our early Premier League seasons. You know, we just got behind the team and we we just kind of backed them from start to finish. Obviously, sections of the media pouring on, you know, the Ramsey Berg and stuff, which I actually thought was kind of progress for us in a way that it it wasn't as it wasn't nearly as as vociferous as I've heard it before. I think no. I think we're starting to get over it. Obviously it's not completely gone, but I think No. Just, it, it I, definitely should shouldn't tarnish what was a superb no. uh, atmosphere. And when kind of encapsulated by the photo of the guy celebrating Hesse's goal somehow upside down on the steps <laughs> at the yes. stadium. Definitely. I, I do think with regards to the booing of Aaron Ramsey, it's almost like the writers at the Mirror have already got an article mm. written and they just like, right, game's over, press send. Article's yeah. already up because it's it's lazy journalism because, uh, like yeah. you say, I thought it was nowhere near as bad in, in this year. And you know what? I think a lot of it, I think people are mistaking us booing Arsenal to us booing mm. just Aaron Ramsey because yeah it's hostile towards Arsenal because we see this as a as almost like a derby like don't don't be precious every time over what is essentially quite a heated match yeah exactly i think there was a lot of people with like selective hearing i think i think there has been for some time really not that i'm in favor of of booing ramsey of course you listen to a, the episode after the arsenal game last season for my thoughts on that but uh, yeah, I think a lot of people trying to hype up the situation for clicks, really. Um, on that kind of note, then, are there any negatives from yesterday at all? I mean, certainly hard to think of any in terms of the performance, but mm-hmm. anything that, you know, you weren't <laughs> happy about? I mean, again, I can only really pick of 
pick fault with Joe Allen in terms of his positioning and running around a bit like a headless chicken at times. He certainly grew into the game. And so whilst it, it would be very, very picky of me to, to, sl- to slag him off, um, but I certainly think he could improve in his performance. Um, the only real negative that I have is that Shakiri is injured again. And it's, yeah. it's frustrating more than anything else. It, it worked for us in the long term yesterday, but at the time it did definitely just feel like what is what is the point with Jordan Shakiri because there again hamstring problem and I don't know I mean I've not seen any reports today to suggest it the extent of it um, I'm hoping that he's fine and it was just they took him off precautionary which is fine if that's how they want to manage him but it it Jeez. was it was annoying. Do you think perhaps sometimes he'll hurt himself and he'll confuse <laughs> that for an injury? Like you know, pain is temporary, Jordan. You could you can you can walk it off in one minute; it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it is a it is a bugbear having to uh, watch him go off every other game, really, isn't it? I mean, I suppose you've got to persist with it. He's he's too good a player to to kind of give up on in that regard for me, anyway. And I think. I think we will see some good stuff from Shakiri this season. It's just, it is frustrating as hell, really. Isn't it? But, but you know, if if he wasn't like that, he wouldn't be playing for us. Um, a tweet from Ben Locke: Are we not as bad as some people on here and other pundits thought we were? Have we kind of been overreacting to Stoke this preseason? Have have we been too negative? Have fans been too negative? Uh, what do you make to that? I'd really, really like to think so, but I mean, there was a lot of evidence to the contrary that that things weren't going in the right direction. What what I can hope for is that this Arsenal game is the the springboard to get our confidence back, get our mojo back, and get us playing good football. Um, because I mean, if you compare it to the Everton game last week, whilst we were nowhere near as bad as our worst performances in the previous season. We weren't very good going forward. As you say, there was a lot missing. Potentially, the role of Hesse was just really, really missing. Um, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not going to slag off the fans who were quite rightfully worried about how we were going to do this season. I'm still not convinced we're going to now push on and be a top 10 team and push for Europe or anything based on, on it yesterday. I don't think we... It, oh, God, I'm going to put my foot in it now. I don't think we'll be in trouble this season Ooh, I'd, you've like, said it now I have said it now I I don't know I don't know I just have the feeling that the, the last few weeks the signings we've brought in the the way that players have played the grit and determination but I, I just feel that we've improved since pre-season yeah and, I know I know football fans are fickle but they, you've got to allow for kind of changing circumstances when when discussing your team, really. You know, you can't kind of point to someone now who was worried about us five weeks ago and say, oh, look how wrong you were. You know, you're, you're a bad fan or whatever. You've got to kind of accept that five weeks ago we hadn't made signings. Arnie had gone. And, and, we, yeah. and you know, people were writing us off for relegation with reasonable cause. And I'd argue. I don't think we're going to go down, but I think people's criticism of us was warranted. So you can't, can't, you can't kind of dismiss that straight away on the back of one result. Now, I hope the result is, is the kickstart we need, as you said, but mm-hmm. uh, I think you've got to kind of allow for that negativity and mm-hmm. hope that we build on this. Yeah, I mean, and equally, we as fans have to not overreact when undoubtedly we lose and we're pretty poor this season because it will happen because we're not a top four team we're not going to be constantly attacking people like Spurs do we're going to have games where it's oh god we were rubbish today and as long as those performances don't outweigh the performances like yesterday then I think we'll be fine this season and everyone has a right to moan everyone has a right to enjoy the team like don't have a go at each other just because you disagree or one group of you is doesn't see anything wrong and the other group just sees everything wrong like mm. god it, like yeah i yeah on that note then how are we feeling about how the season's shaping up we've got some points on the board early doors to use the a word have our ambitions for this season changed at all 
not mine. Not mine. I would still be happy if Stoke this season um, are battling in that right right area, their mid-table battle, pushing for top 10, and we play good football. My prediction for the season is still that Stoke will finish 11th. And not that I would be... I, I would be fine with us achieving that because I, I don't think you can underestimate the, ma- the the change that has happened this summer. We have lost an out of it who was, no matter how inconsistent you think he was, he was a player who dragged us out of some deep shit last year. Um, and we've got, you know, new players in the team. It's really good that we've got a win on the board this early in the season because... As we know, last year we didn't get a win till October, and I was going to say the worst thing that could have happened for for Mark Hughes and the team this year is if we had gone on a similar run, and then there'd be negativity over Mark Hughes. What that has done yesterday is shown that Stoke can still play good football, and we we are capable of those performances. So if in a few weeks down the line we have a really bad performance, or next week against West Brom we lose to a stupid set piece goal, you will hopefully not see the return of real poisonous atmosphere because we know we're capable of good stuff and we've shown that we're capable of being able to beat good teams. Yeah, yeah. On that ambition question for me, I think it hasn't changed how I think we're going to do that much really. But I think we won't be in a position to judge how good we will be until after the transfer window closes. I think that's a major thing. We've kind of got to assess the team uh, when that window closes and I totally back the idea of uh, closing it before the start of the season as well. I think that would that would make such such a difference to us. And I also think that um, when you consider that the first four games of the season, I could easily envisage four defeats. To have three points on the board already after the first two, I think is great. I'd have snapped your hand off for that at the start of the season. And we're kind of, uh, if you do the, the scale of comparing games to last season... We're three points up. This game we lost last season. Uh, we've won it this time, so we're we're three points up on that. So, and we didn't concede four, which is brilliant, fantastic. And it, and it does make you re—I don't know what the word, what the word would be, but it does make you no, reassess. That's the word. It does make you reassess the next few games because I certainly looked at this run of games at the start of the season and thought, I I don't know what how we're gonna mm. get any wins. We've beaten Arsenal now. Anything could happen in the next few games. Yeah, exactly, and I, and I kind of I, I worried about Newcastle away even, but having watched them today, I think oh we can go there and you know get three points there, which you can't get too uh, expectant. Expectancy can kill you, I suppose. But yeah, it's it's definitely little got a little spark of optimism now. We've got a got a little bit of momentum. We've got something to hold on to already, and we yeah, like you said, we didn't have a result like this at all last season we didn't beat any of the top six so to have this already is something to just really shout from the rooftops about so bloody hell well done Stoke uh finally uh Chris on this game uh who were your pick could you please pick one hero and one villain um okay my hero has to be the new boy Hesse um I think that to come on and on your debut score the winning goal um he's definitely the hero of the day in that regard villain wise i think (laughs) i'm gonna have to go for a collective of martin keown uh (laughs) ian wright and just arsenal fans moaning in general because as you say only stoke could have the right decision uh given and arsenal still complain about it uh for me my hero I'm going to give to Ryan Shawcross. Um, obviously, it's a kind of game where the focus is on him a lot for obvious reasons, and it's it's so good just to to have seen like some classic Ryan. There was just some classic Ryan Shawcross blocks in there, some classic towering headers, and there's been a lot of doubt and criticism about him there, and I don't think he'll have totally got rid of that on the basis of one game. But I thought it was a really really good performance from our captain yesterday, and. We talk about Darren Fletcher's leadership. If you combine Fletcher's leadership with Shawcross's, you know we've got we've got real leaders there, and that's why I don't think Touchwood that we're in a relegation battle is because we have 
we have skill, we have good players, and we have leaders in the team. Leaders, you know, you, you can kind of overstate their influence, but they can drag you out of situations. So we, we've kind of got, we've kind of got two captains on the pitch, I, I think, uh, certainly how it <laughs> appeared anyway. So Shawcross for me, Hero of the Week. And Villain of the Week, I'm going to go with uh, your new man for Arsenal, uh, Kalazinac. Um, right. Now, Kalazinac, I don't know if you were aware, Chris, but Kalazinac uh, injured Hesse. Um, yes. The, the injury that Hesse credits with kind of putting his career on something of a downward spiral from Real Madrid was caused by Kalazinac. And now he was being hyped up as this big, rough and tough, hard man. He's going to go to Stoke and he's going to bully them. You know, he's going to really give them what for. The more fight in a cheese oat cake, I swear to God. It's just <laughs> it's like the minute he puts that Arsenal shirt on, he goes all namby-pamby, wishy-washy and <laughs> moting bullied him easy as anything, I thought. And so, yeah, for, for Villain of the Week, uh, Kalazinac for just kind of, like all cartoon villains, he thinks he's better than he is and he's quickly undone. Um, right. Uh, great to talk to you, Chris. Uh, we'll enjoy the rest of our weekend. Before we go, we'll have what is hopefully a regular feature to look at our youth sides, a kind of hopefully weekly or bi-weekly update on how our under-18s or under-23s are, are doing this season from our academy correspondent, Jason Martin. Hi guys, Jace here, and welcome to The Kids Are Alright, a new feature where we briefly summarise the news and results of the under-18s and under-23 academy sides at Stoke. For your reference, there's a nice preview up on the Wizards of Dribble website from the summer, which summarises most of the key points, including the incomings and outgoings of the teams, as well as points of note for the upcoming campaign. It's pretty good, I wrote it. So, in terms of news since then, there haven't been too many other changes to the squads. The main arrival in the under-23s has been 18-year-old Trey Pemberton from Blackburn Rovers, who will play out wide, largely largely in the place of Thibaut Verlinden, who's now moved to the first team. Nick Jokalainen has departed from the under-18s, who, after sort of a year spell there, whilst Hakim Abdallah has moved on loan to Spanish third division side El Ayedo for the season, following his loan to Fish fifth division side Avranches in France last season where he scored four goals. In terms of the opening weekends for the new campaign, both sides were winless although did show plenty of battle. The under-18 showed great resilience to come back from 2-0 down to draw 2-0 with Everton despite being down to 10 men. Rashid Baldi's red card early in the second half led to a spirited fight back for Stoke with Jacob Twyford scoring before new scholar Max Murphy's cross was deflected beyond the keeper. The under-18s managed to turn a 2-0 deficit into a 3-2 lead in their match before losing 4-3 late on to a typically impressive Newcastle side. Daniel Jarvis bagged a brace, whilst Dan Barbier, a trialist who may not be staying at the club, also scored in a topsy-turvy match that Jakob Halgaard will want to erase from memory, following a howler or two. In terms of results for this weekend, the under-18s have just finished their match against Middlesbrough, where they've lost 1-0 away from home whilst the under-23s don't play until Monday lunchtime, which in which they'll face Aston Villa away from home. So Stoke have done really well this season to get the youth team highlights up on the new Stoke City Plus video page on the website. So I'd recommend that you check that each week to catch up with the best goals from the academy sides, including last week's ones. In terms of other noteworthy news for the academies, the under-23s will once again take part in the much-hated EFL trophy, formerly the Johnson's Paint Trophy. Stoke will face Blackburn, Berry, and Rochdale in the Northern Group C. The under-23s have also been drawn against Liverpool, Charlton, and Bristol City for the under-23s Premier League Cup. Whilst the under-18s have a tough group in their inaugural under-18 Premier League Cup as well, facing Wolves, Arsenal, and Man United in Group F. One final bit of news for the youth sides is under-16s youngster Dan Malone has linked up with the Wales under-16 side ahead of the Victory Shield campaign that kicks off soon. In terms of the next fixtures, the under-23s, as I said already, are away to Aston Villa this coming Monday before a trip to Norwich on Friday night for a 7pm kickoff. The under-18s are away to Man United's under-18s next Friday at a 7pm kickoff. That's all for now. See you again soon. Um. 
Right, some pod business before we go. Patreon, uh, of course, we're still on Patreon. Uh, two episodes extra a month, starting next week, where we will have a kind of West Brom preview and Rochdale reaction with me, Chris, and a West Brom fan. Uh, so patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel. Small amount of money a month. Keep supporting the podcast. And, you know, you get two extra episodes. Uh, shout out to my other podcast project, Who Are You?, which uh, is going really well. We've had some really nice feedback on that. Uh, St. Pauli episode is out now and going down well. So if you're at all interested in St. Pauli and you want to hear a football podcast that's something a bit different uh, we like to think we've done something really good over there so check that out facebook.com slash slash wizards of drivel Gareth Cooper just doing amazing stuff on there just some great stuff going up every day Twitter we're at wizards of drivel and we're also on, on Instagram now so it's wizards of drivel podcast I believe so by all means follow us there it's not just pictures of food we promise <laughs> thank you to Devonier for our theme tune thank you Chris thank you very much Dave and uh, let's hope for more of these positive podcasts this season we're gonna win the league go on Stoke